Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. share with you something. We'll get into our, our series here in a moment, but I want to share with you an experience I had last Sunday morning. It was, it was about the, during the time we just had a, a time of worship, and, and you know, as, uh, if you're wondering, you know, at times what go through, through, through my mind, a lot of times for the, like the last song or wrapping up, or we're going to, my brain starts thinking about it like, okay, yeah, now what am I speaking on, and what am I going to be doing, and so I'm kind of getting my, call my pre-game prayer, and Lord, help me, whatever i going to say today, Lord, I hope it's you, what you want me to say, and hope the people are, you know, ready to receive it. So in that kind of moment, I felt like the Lord's giving me a word, one particular word. And it felt like the Lord says, I want you to speak on that next Sunday. Not that yesterday, last week. I'm like, Lord, can we just do one sermon at a time here? You know, this is, this is like, but no, save that for next week. And there was one word, and I want to share with you that word here in a moment. But it, it tied with an experience that I had uh, the, the week prior. Some of you know I had the big 5-0 birthday and saying happy birthday. I really appreciate that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it was great. It's, I'm now officially old. Uh, my wife says to me, she goes, don't make any plans on Friday evening. And because we're going to be doing something. I say, what? Well, you'll find out, okay? Like, oh, some kind of surprise or something's happening, right? And, and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm pretty smart. I'm going to know what's going to happen. I can predict what's going to take place. And, and so as Friday afternoon's kind of rolling up, and, 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 and I said, no, what time, what time are we leaving? And, and she says, I'll let you know. I'm like, okay, all right. And I'm like, am I wearing what you need to be wearing? You know, like, and she goes, yeah, you're fine. Okay, all right, well, I'm just not going on a whole lot of information. And then it was about 5.30. She turns to my daughter and she goes, Camille, it's time. I'm time for what? And she comes over and she just sits still and she blindfolds me. And she goes, uh, I want you to come into the bedroom. I'm like, okay, I mean, you know, my daughter, or our daughter's home. And she goes to the bedroom and, and so I get in there and she goes, take your shirt off. I'm like, okay. She goes, take your pants off. I'm like, what kind of party is this? What are we going to? And she gives me some clothes and I'm putting them on. I'm like, okay, these are dress pants. I'm feeling, I'm buttoning a shirt. And like, these are like dress clothes. Like, okay, it's something kind of more, a little bit fancier, I guess. And so still blindfolded. My daughter takes me out of the house and puts me in the back seat of my car. And then get in the car and my my daughter's driving, and my wife is in the, you know, co-pastor. She's navigating there. And, and, and I, at this point, I, I've watched enough. I've never been kidnapped before. And so I'm thinking, I've watched enough shows where you get kidnapped. And this is what I've learned about kidnapping movies and all that. Pay attention to every detail because you might have to be, get out of where you're at. And you might need enough evidence to convict whoever is doing this to you. So this is all in my mind thinking, oh, I'm paying attention as we're coming out of our neighborhood and what turns we're taking. And... And so we're going down, and I'm t- paying attention. Oh, I'm so smart. I know where we're going and all this, and turns. And then we're, I know we're in Grandview. I said, we're on the Grandview Road now. And, she, and my wife, my wife goes, says, shut up, or we're going to put you in the trunk. I'm like, what's going on? This is a real hostage situation I'm into. So we're getting out, and we're getting turns. And I think, I think my daughter tried to turn around a couple times just to kind of throw me off the track. And, and, then, and then we finally pull up, and I really had a strong indication where we're at. And so... 
the back door opens in a familiar voice, which, which was a friend of ours, and he guides me up their stairs to their house, and I, I open the door, or they open the door, and then my wife takes the blindfold off. I look around, it's people that maybe we've had small group together the last couple of years on Thursday nights, and it's our group. And, and, and I look around and I see them all dressed in character. I, I, see, I see someone in a, in a doctor outfit. I see uh, his wife was wearing a widow's, like, you know, like a, like a veil and everything. My, my, uh, I see some friends that are a nurse. I, I see my, my wife, she's in furs. Like, what's going on? And then, and then my daughter's in a nun outfit. I'm like, what? I'm like, and I thought it was just a funny thing. It's like, oh, it's my funeral or something that they're trying to do, like over the hill. But it ended up being a murder mystery party, and it was a lot of fun. And I was Gerard the butler, and we had a, we had a great time. <laughs> now, I share all that is because there's an experience that I had where that experience tied with this word that I want to share with you this morning. It's, a, it's something I think that we all struggle with. And the word is control. The word is control, that in getting over ourselves, which really is kind of the subtext of the series, and meaning more than meets the eye in us, is getting over ourselves. And a lot of times we have a tough time getting over ourselves because we struggle with control. And I think as much as that is an issue, we, much of it has to do also with that we live in a culture of control. Technology, as, much, as wonderful it's been, it, it doesn't help us when we're only one click away from everything that we need. You know, if you're going to go out and you've got to buy a t-shirt nowadays, you, you go and there, you go to a certain store and there's selections. They don't maybe have your size and the color you want. Now you don't need to do that. You just click. You just click on 50 different colors and shades and different things, and you could pick the color that you want and the, and the size you want and the cut you want all in a moment's Notice, and boom, you got it in a couple days. You can look over as you click on different things that you can do to monitor your house. You can, from your device, you can figure out, is anybody a burglar coming? Oh, that's the neighbor's dog. You can, you can control your environment by a click. You can control your thermostat from here. You could do everything from that one device. And if it's not your phone, it's also the remote, what? Control. Okay, it's named for that, to control your situation. And go with me, pun intended, is if we're left literally to our own devices, what happens is we do really create a culture of control freaks. We live in a culture that clamors for control, but what it does is this, it creates a problem. If you're wanting to be in control and I'm wanting to be in control, we've got some control issues, don't we? There's some major problem because what you want to do and I want to do can be very, very different. So here's the question. Do you consider yourself a control freak? Okay. I'm going to ask, make some statements here. What I want you not to do is raise your hand if that's you. And also, don't point. Okay. Don't go. Okay. But we can all relate, I think, as we go through these. I can't. First is this, if you believe, here's a control thing, is this your control, like, go through it. You believe if someone would change a couple things about themselves, you'll be happier. That might be you, don't point, okay? So you try to help them change their behavior, right? You micromanage others to make them fit your unrealistic expectations. You don't believe in imperfection, you don't think anyone else should either. You judge other people's behavior as a right or wrong, passive-aggressive, without attention until they fall in line with your expectations. 
And with that, many people do this. They sit in silent judgment as a master form of control. You offer constructive criticism as a veiled attempt to advance your own agenda. You present worst case scenarios of being the devil's advocate in attempts to influence someone away from certain behaviors and toward others. You have a hard time with ambiguity and being okay with not knowing something. Guilty there. Okay, where are we going? We're going to tell you. And we're not going to, you, you just, we'll block you in the trunk if you keep talking. Um, you intervene on behalf of people by rescuing them because it makes you feel better about the situation that really has nothing to do with you. Ouch. Instead of being yourself, you attempt to create a different image so others will be impressed of you. Instagram. Good example. Bottom line, though, is this. And this is the one I added. This all came from Inc.com. This is the one I added. Is this. The biggest person you try to control is yourself because you are your worst critic. Now, I'm not here to go, oh, you know, shame you and I'm, I suck and I got all these. That's not the point. But I think all of us, maybe more than, uh, you know, there's more on the list than for some people than others, that we can actually actually say, you know, that's me sometimes. And if, here's the challenge, if we don't get over that, if we don't get past that, it's going to affect us. And if, if not already in our life, somebody would say that, and it's had, con- it has consequences. So if the irony of control, this is the consequences, the irony of control is that the more we try to stay in control and, and the less we can stay in control, it creates a level of fear and anxiety. Next week, I'm, I'm speaking all on anxiety and fear, by the way. But this is part of why we are, is we're trying to clamor for control. And what does is it creates us to be unhealthy and unhealthy relationships that, that, that formulate out of it. And it actually is a form of addiction control is. It it really is a core issue. Uh, Recovery experts would say the reason for people in their addiction is it has much to do with control. If you can't fix the situation, you're trying to find a fix so that it helps you through and cope through and and numb you and self-medicate you through whatever you're, when life seems totally out of control. You know this already, but, you know, recreational prescription drugs can help people just numb. There's alcohol helps people numb. Pornography is a great example of ultimate control because you can't control someone out here, a real person, so you manipulate and try to click and do everything what you want in the setting that you want it. Gambling is a huge thing. Put this in to get something back at times. Shopping can be that. Buying something makes you feel there's an emotional thing. Like, at least I can do this. And... And, and I get something out of it. I got a great bargain. I got a great deal. Well, you don't even need that. Well, I got a good deal. on it. There's something about it pulls us in. And there's a false sense of control that comes over us. And I, oh, however, over a short amount of time, what happens is we lose control of it. And they use the term control substance, right? What control? It ends up controlling us. And our lives spin out of control. And that is why we need to dig in deep down to the core issue of control. But what we've been saying in the series over time is to get over yourselves, yourselves is not going to be the solution to do that. To get over yourself, at some point you got to go beyond yourself to get over yourself. Right? And, And we need help with it. And I love what the message says in Mark. Where... 
the words of Jesus, he's in the message, I love it. It says, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to save yourself, your true self. Another word there is self-sacrifice is surrendering. Surrendering ourselves, letting go of ourselves. Getting, getting over ourselves is having to let go of ourselves to do that. So Jesus says the way to do that is really more than meets the eye. That it's beyond ourselves. So if you're here and I here and we have controlling tendencies, we've got to go beyond ourselves. We've got to go to the one that can help us. We've got to go beyond the control issues of our life. And I, I think deep down it's this. Ultimately, it comes down to this. That the ultimate test of trust, test of faith, is, requires relinquishing control. The ultimate test of faith is, requires relinquishing control. In other words, if you're in control or trying to stay in control, you have to relinquish that. And to do that is actually trusting Trusting beyond yourselves. And that's really what happened with my blindfold birthday experience, right? I trusted my wife and my daughter and leaned along because, you know, some kind of prize at the end, hopefully, whatever I'm going to get, I didn't know what it's going to be, but it's, hopefully it's going to be fun at the end of the day, right? But, but I trusted them. At any point in time, I probably could have took the blindfold out. This is stupid. I'm not going to do this. Well, it kind of blows experience, right? There's something in life like that. I had to trust them enough to get me through what I'm getting through. But how many know, even with the people that we love, sometimes they fail us. Sometimes they don't come through in what they, they promised. And that's why we turn to the one that's already proven to us what he's done. The Lord himself... God himself has proven himself. He's proven himself that we can be trusted, that it's not blind faith, but it is faith. It is faith seen beyond what we cannot see. And he's proven himself trusted in history, trusted in scripture all throughout. And one of the classic passages that we're going to look up today at a narrative one of the first almost tests of faith that we find in Scripture is the story of Abraham and Sarah. And for the remaining minutes, I want to unpack it. And I hope this speaks to you as it spoke to me of just this issue that we all can struggle with, and that is of control. Hebrews, actually later on in the New Testament, talks about what happened a few thousand years before, describes it this way, by by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Here was this ultimate blindfold experience of faith that he was taking. And I find it interesting in all the different heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 is they all had faults. Look, none of them were perfect. And actually what we find is there's a major thing that takes place and Abraham and Sarah, as much as they, Scripture talks about being people of faith, they still had hang-ups and there was an issue of control that was there. See, before Abraham and Sarah, there was Abram and Sarah he. That's the, what their names were before. Abram meant back then, high father. Sarah he meant this, her name. His wife's name, it meant contentious and my ruler. That was the name of Sarah he. And I was thinking, okay, you know, Abraham wears the pants in the family, but Sarah, he's telling him which pair to wear, right? That's, that was the relationship that was happening here. And this name plays out a bit, and it created a tremendous problem. It actually was this, it showed, where we're going to look at Sarah wanted to take control of the outcome of her life and that of, of Abraham's. And so we find, though, before that happening, we go to a moment 
a very, very important moment in Genesis 15 where God makes covenant with Abraham. If you read through the scripture, there's these covenants. There's the Adamantic covenant with Adam and that fulfillment. We have the Mosaic we have the Abrahamic covenant that we're going to look at in a moment. We have the Mosaic covenant with Moses. We have the Davidic covenant. We find there's these covenants in, in the Old Testament scripture. Ultimately, we get to Jesus, where Jesus says, this new, I have a new agreement, a new covenant that I'm making with you. The ultimate covenant. But all of them fit a, a part of God's narrative. Here we come to this covenant that God makes with Abram. In verse 1 of Genesis 15, it says, The Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, Abram, for I will protect you and you, your reward will be great. Verse 5, it says, He looked up at the sky and God says to him, Count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and credited to him righteousness. At that point, God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude, or father, as we know, of many nations. This incredible promise that God was going to fulfill. But here's where the challenge lies, and it's a challenge for all of us, that many times there's a delay between God's promise and God's fulfillment. God promised Abraham that he would be a father of many nations. The problem is he doesn't have any kids. Him and Sarah don't have any kids. And years go by, this being the case. And in time, Abraham and Sarah did what a lot of us do, is we, they took control of their own destiny. And they stepped away, or tried to step over, beyond God's promise that was there. We look in Genesis 16 where it says, Now Sarah, he, Abram's wife, had bore him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham's like, What? You want me to do what? Well, what was happening? In other words, she... Sarah is saying this. She's saying, yes, God says this. Abraham, I believe what he said to you, but I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing what's happening here. And because of it, we got to do something. We got to take control of the situation, right? I mean, we got to, is this going to, we're getting along. I mean, we're really old. We're going to do something. And, And so what happens is we find is they rush ahead rather than trusting God's timing and his ways. And this is what the story says. It says, Abram agreed with Sarah. He said, so, so after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, the promised land that he got, no kid yet, Sarah and his wife took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar. She conceived. And when she became, she knew, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Right away, there's tension here. Right away here where they were trying to take control rather than relinquish their trust in God. And you could use the word epic here. It had epic consequences, not just for their lives, but centuries to come. In fact, if you read the story of Hagar gives birth to a son named Ishmael, and sometime later, God does bless Abraham and Sarah with a son, Isaac. 
And then there's tension, obviously. There's tension. You can't imagine between Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac and, and to the place that there's, there's a separation that takes place. And think about this. Centuries later, centuries later, descendants of Ishmael, now are the Palestinians, are still often in war with the descendants of Isaac, the Jewish people. And here we are, the tension in the Middle East. We watch it, in the, watch it on the news and we see it all over can pinpoint, can you believe this, back to a particular couple in Scripture. But what's happening is, it, is, is that they did not trust in God and His time and His will. Now, some of you are going, hey, I get it. I totally get it. I, guys, I will not sleep with my maidservant. I will not do that. I don't even have a maidservant, okay? So I won't, I won't do that. But don't miss the point. I don't think you will. You're smart people. Here's the thing. We all have Hagar's in our life. We all are tempted to have Hagar's in our life. We're all at times wanting to rush ahead from what God promised in his fulfillment. And we all want to try to take control of the situation that we're in. We try to force, in some ways we think, we sometimes force God's hand, which we never do, manipulate control, do what I can, make it happen, If because God, you know, well, I mean, it's not happening. And, and we do this all the time, and, and even this week, let's just, let's just say the weather was our Hagar this week, come on. It was just like we, and, I, and I'm not seeing like my week, and I looked at my week, and I had so many meetings planned. It just, there was a lot lined up. I feel like I spent most of my week canceling and rescheduling meetings and actually having meetings, okay? That's just the way the week went. And I find myself kind of frustrated and like snow, and everybody goes, oh, it's so pretty, the snow, like, oh, snow, okay. And, and you know, and then I get out there, and I'm driving a little bit, and then, you know, I found that cars don't they shouldn't go sideways so then so that I don't drive that and you're just just going okay I got to sit still and just relax and I was tempted to force things to happen and make and frustrate I'm like I can't control we can't control the weather you just can't but I think I would say even more a deeper level we can't control relationships we can't force relationships some of us maybe are in, in wanting a relationship maybe it's a romantic relationship and you find yourself single, you're just like, Lord, I'm praying, Lord, you provide the right person. But then we kind of like, people will see this all the time, and it's so bad, is they'll settle. They'll settle in a relationship with someone that's not a fit. They're not fit spiritually, not fit personality. In fact, in so many people, more, they, they, they actually lower their moral standard, and they compromise their integrity because of that, because they're trying to force something to happen. Other people do it in other ways. People do that with their finances. I've seen it over and over again where people are trying to force something to happen. Uh, maybe many times out of selfish pleasure, they, they throw the credit card down and they get the loan. And they do this and they're like, how did we get here? You made some choices. You did not trust in God to God to provide. You forced something to happen to take place. There might have been a situation in the future where you're trying to, you're trying to force something to happen that you want to happen it doesn't happen and you compromise your values you 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 lie a bit or your integrity becomes compromised because you try to make it your way to force what happened and you lowered your standard so question who or what is your hagar is it people is it your it, it, in some ways it can be something put on your spouse your children or even grown children it's, it's your coworker. what your image what are you thinking what are you trying to control that's really comes down to what are you trying to control? Now, how do we know that we're control freaks? We kind of talked about it already, but how do we, what do we do when we 
come to the situation that we find that we're in the gap between what God's being promised us to what the fulfillment was. And, and I, I, I want to give you three control questions to help you navigate practically when it comes to, it is a decision-making process of relinquishing control and stepping out and trusting God in faith. Uh, if you've been around, you've heard these before, but I think they're really helpful that you can take with you today. The first is this, ask yourself when it comes to a situation, is it worthy of my concern? Is it worthy of my concern? Can you say that question out loud with me? Is it worthy of my concern? There's a familiar story that many of us know of Jesus visiting the home of two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. If you know the classic story, it's Jesus is gathering, Jesus is in the home, and they're all having a, 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 a Jesus time together. With, I mean, talk about you're having a small group and Jesus is there, okay? It's, it's going to be a win, right? This is going to be a great group. And they're spending, sitting around, and literally Mary, one of the sisters, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and they're enjoying what Jesus is saying, hanging on to every word. Of course we would. But Martha is in the kitchen, and she's cooking up a storm. I mean, she, I mean you got Jesus over. You're not doing take and bake. Okay, you're putting up something that's going to be good, right? You're cooking up something for Jesus and everything. But then they notice, like, as Jesus is sharing, it's kind of getting louder, and there's pots and pans, and like you're going, okay, there's some angry cooking in the kitchen. What's going on? And finally, Martha has enough, and she just comes out there and she just says, "Jesus, Mary is not helping me prepare the meal for you." You need to do something about it. You need to step in and tell her to come help me make this meal for you. Well, the, the classic moment, right? And it's these words here, and you know them. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or needed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, it's always think about this. You never know what Martha thought after that or said after that. You know, like, you know, did she go back in the kitchen or did she sit at the feet of Jesus? We don't know. But for us, it's the same thing. Like, if, if, if Jesus is here today and we're sitting here, he would say, hey, chill. Take a moment. Don't sweat the small stuff. How many know when we do that, like, you know, people just calm down. You know, just be, you know, like, ah. it's hard for us at times because we think about many different things and worry about so much that consumes us. But we need to stop these moments and just say, is it worth my concern? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? If, if something you're doing doesn't matter a hundred years from now, will it matter even five years from now? I'll give an example you can relate as a parent raising kids. And, and my son here, he'll be in the second service visiting today. And I was thinking of him yesterday as I saw him. And I looked down and he's wearing pants. And I know that's weird, like normal people wear pants. Well, in middle school, he decided not to wear pants. He would always wear like basketball shorts. Everywhere he would go, to school, to church, youth group, wherever he was going, he would only wear basketball shorts in middle school. I'm like, dude, you can't, and we'd have these arguments, right? As parents too, like, you can't wear that. Like, and I said, some point, I'm having this conversation in eighth grade, where they're like, you, you, 
You're going to need to get a job one day. You can't go to a job interview and wearing basketball shorts. Okay, you're going to ask a girl out for the prom or date. I mean, you're going to grab, you're going to have these things you're going to do, and you're like, you can't wear basketball shorts. I know it's silly to talk about now, but like that was the conversation you're having. There's this tension about wearing shorts all the time. Guess what? He's I saw him in pants yesterday. He's wearing pants. He 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 normalized. You know, he he fit in right. And I, I was thinking about boy, I look back because how we get worked up on all these little things like, you know, when are they going to potty train? And when are they going to, you know, are they going to make it through school? And God's provided all the stuff away, do that. And for all our lives, is it worth it? Ask yourself. And what Jesus is saying to Martha, is saying to us is, stop a second. Is it worth the stress? Is it worth that level of concern? You know what I want? I don't really need you to make me anything. I just want to be with you. I just want relationship with you. I want you to spend time with you. And the way to do that is letting go. Letting go of that so you can sit at my feet. But I tell you, there's a testing of our faith in that times where we have to relinquish control and really trusting Jesus and really putting it to him and giving it to him. Is it, ask yourself, is it worthy of your concern? Another question this is this, is it mine to control? Can you say that question out to me? Is it mine to control? And sometimes, here's the important thing, it is sometimes. It is sometimes. Surrendering control is not the same thing as relinquishing responsibility. They're two different things. You still need to be responsible. Think of your life. Hey, finances. Guess what? If you're upside down, you can take control of your finances. You can do something about it. You can, you can get a, form a budget. You can get some coaching. You can get some classes. I've, I know people who could love to help you with your finances. We actually have something come up in February called a legacy lunch. We'll help you some tools and tax strategies. So keep that in mind. February 23rd. Keep that in mind of this lunch we'll be talking about. We're going to offer a finance class, hopefully this spring. There's things that we're trying to do. Take control of them. You can do that. If your marriage is struggling, I talk to all the time, well, my marriage is falling apart. What are you going to do about it? Well, I don't know. I think we need counseling. I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting on them. Waiting on, and, and like, who should ask? I say this, the mature person in the relationship goes first. The mature person in the relationship, and I always challenge them, well, I'm going to be the one that's going to get the counseling. Do that. If you need help, do that. If, if you're stuck in your career, I hate my job, there's retraining. doesn't matter your age. There's opportunities. The Bible says that the importance of planning for your future. But what happens is we worry about our future rather than preparing our future. We can't predict. Just like you can't predict the weather this week, you cannot predict the future. But you can take charge of today. Just like a farmer plants, plows and plants and waters, God is the, end, uh, is the one that ends up giving the harvest. But there's a work on our end that we got to do and to take the time to do it. Now, how do I know when to take control and not take control? That's where prayer comes in. I love the prayer of serenity. It's a, many times we over, kind of this is such a well-known prayer that we like, oh, it's not a, it's a powerful prayer. If some of you have been a part of 12 SIP, you know the prayer of serenity goes like this. God, grant me the serenity, grant me the peace to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can. I love this. And the wisdom to know the difference. That's a practical prayer. If you're in a place of decision of what to do and you're like, man, I feel like i just wrestling with control. What I do, literally you can do is say, I'm going to make a, a list. On one side of the list, I'm going to write all the things I, I can control in my life. And then I'm going to write all the things I can't control. And I'm going to relinquish the things I can't control. Like I can't control 
whether I'm going to get sick, whether I'm going to get a disease. I can't control that. But what I can to do, I can take care of my body daily. I can exercise and eat better and, and take care of myself that way. Do those things I know to do. I can't control other family members' decisions, but I can control my reaction to their decisions that you make. I, I, can, I can't control tomorrow, but I can prepare today in prayer and growth and a positive mindset for what God has. I can invest in today, today for whatever might happen tomorrow, which leads to this, what you can and can't control. So is it mine to control? Ask yourself, but ultimately this is a question. Is it, is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? Can you say that question with me? Is it for God alone? We must come to the grips of that. We must come to the place that in our circumstances, some point, it is out of our control. And we can't do anything about it except trust. Ultimately, trust in God. Which brings us back to Abraham one more time. Abraham, after 25 years, after the... Hagar and Ishmael and all that was going on, the Lord provided a son named Isaac. 25 years later from when he promised. But interesting, just a few short years, God says to Abraham, I want you to go and take your son to the mountain and sacrifice him. Excuse me again, what? I want you to go do that. And I want you to think in your life, what that really represents. See, here, it almost as a father it makes your stomach turn to think that he says to his son, hey, we're going on a camping trip, okay? Uh, no, what are we doing? Well, we're going to go make a sacrifice, okay? And here, Isaac, boy, is carrying the wood for the sacrifice. And he says to his dad, hey, um, what are we sacrificing? There's no animal with us. We didn't, uh, and this is what Abraham says, the Lord will provide. What's interesting is, can you imagine this moment here where they get to the mountain, Abraham builds, builds the fire, lays his son down, ties him down to the altar of the fire, raises the knife about to kill his son. And this is what the Lord says. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Scripture says, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught in its thorns, horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed the burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. Now go with me on this. God, there's the time in our life, there's the Hagar. So there's a time in our life where we can be tempted to take our matter in our own hands and take control of our life. And, and, and the time is promised. And, and then there's the Isaacs in our life. There's, a, there's this promise fulfilled, promise that we received and the promise fulfilled. And there's things that God has given us. But with the things that God has given us, the challenge is this. They become idols to us as well that we control and hold on to. The very things that God fulfilled in us and has given us can become the idol that gets in the way of actually worshiping God. And we no longer trust God any longer, but we trust in His promises more. And at some point, we have to, even the Isaacs, we've got to let go of those Isaacs 
the very thing God's given us, and relinquish control and lay it down at the altar of the Lord again and again and again. And the beauty of this all happening is this. The Lord has provided. The Lord provides. The Lord provided for Abraham. And the Lord provided for us with his ultimate sacrifice that was made. Jesus. I love what scripture says here. Where the fulfillment came is this. That God the Father, Romans says, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also allow, along with him graciously give us all things? Jesus was that fulfillment of the promise given to the promise fulfilled. No longer any sacrifices need to be made for our sin. Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice. He, He has given us everything that we need. But are we holding on what we have? Is it in the way of really truly worshiping the Lord and, and giving our worth and honor to Him by controlling what we do have in the, the, even that's been fulfilled in our life. Here, here's the question, and we're going to pray, and our, our team can come. Who or what is your greatest concern that you need to relinquish control in order to lay on the altar of the Lord today? What is it that you have that you're holding on to? And so I want you just to bow with me and take a moment of prayer. It's a big question. And I hope the question not only is for you today to wrestle with in this moment to pray, but you would take that question with you. You would take it throughout your week. That you and I would go into our, back into our lives, back into what we're doing, and in our decisions that we're making, in what we can and can't control, are we hanging on to the very gift that God's given us, and has that become in the way now of actually worshiping the God and trusting in God and putting our faith in Him and relinquishing control? Do we have control issues with the blessings God's given us already? Has God blessed you with a wonderful spouse, but do you control that spouse? Do you try to, or are you concerned about them in such a way that's blocking your relationship with the Lord. You've got some controlling tendencies in your marriage. You have some wonderful, amazing children that God has blessed you with. They're your Isaacs, this promised wonderful children, but they have become something you're hanging on to in relationship that you need to let them go and you need to allow them to make the decisions that they need to make in their life. It's their choices and you need to help and react to them, but are you hanging on and clinging on to them? Are you so thankful and so privileged of the job that you have that you are grateful that you prayed for this job and God gave you this job, but have you made that job now your idol? The very thing that God gave you, is it in the way of you relinquishing your control and trusting in Jesus in a greater way? Is there something that you've received or someone in your life? What is it that you're holding on to that's so good and wonderful that you now just need to relinquish control out God because you've got stress, you've got control issues, and you're holding back, and you want to go with Jesus further, but you have to relinquish control. What is the stress? What is the fear? What is it pointing to? Say, God, I, I, can't, I can't get over myself. I got to go more than meets the eye in my life. I got to go to you, and I, I lay it down at your altar. 
and recognizing that, that laying down at the altar, that is that Jesus already was the sacrifice. God already provided. We do not have to live a blindfolded faith any longer. We can live a faith that has been proven already. It's still we don't know. We, faith is not knowing. Faith is not knowing yet. But we can trust in the one that already provided and, and fulfilled in our life. Let's not hang on to those promises as an idol. Let's let go of it so we can trust Jesus in greater ways and most importantly, worship him fully in our life and that we can live a life of freedom. We can live a life of, 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 of joy and lightness in our life because we laid it at the altar that ultimately altered our life in a greater way. So Lord, we, we lay whatever we need to lay down. We lay, we lay down. And maybe even going back to the Hagars, there's things that we're trying to control right now. There's situations where the Hagars are what we're trying to manipulate, make happen and have not happened yet. Lord, we lay that before you. God, we lay down that what we're wanting to. We're not, not fulfilled yet, God. We lay it before your feet. Lord, change us as we do. Alter our lives as we lay it before your altar. Lord, we lay, but we lay the Isaacs as well. We lay down the very thing that you've given us, Lord, that's now in the way of, Lord, what you want to do, Lord, in our lives. But ultimately, there's some here today that they just need to lay down their very life to you. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice. Laying down and surrendering the very selves before your feet. And the altar is your cross, Lord. We lay down at the foot of the cross. Say, Jesus, our life is yours. You've paid the price. You did everything, Lord, providing the way for our sins. No more sacrifices are made. But Jesus, you're calling us to lay down and live, have a living sacrifice before you, what you've already done for us, God. So help us to relinquish control this week as we go, God, and we would find freedom and joy in our life in a greater way, Lord. Hanging on to what we need to hang on to, but most importantly, we're hanging on to you, the one that provided it all, Lord. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.